thank you so much for joining us on today's programme. Uh, this is your chance to talk cars and keep up to date with the latest motoring news. Still to come on today's show, I'll be chatting to Pirelli boss Mario Isola about the recent Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, his experience of contracting COVID-19 and his voluntary ambulance work in Italy. But first, it's time to catch up on the latest motoring news with journalist Damien Reed, who joins us once again all the way from Australia. Good morning, Damien, or good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning, Ray. Yeah. Uh, however you like it. <laughs> yeah, what time is it over there now? It's just uh, ticking on 6pm over here on a Saturday afternoon. And it's beautiful sunny weather, so it's uh, lovely. Well, thanks for taking time out from the sunshine to join us. Uh, we're going to start by talking cars and computers. Obviously, this story, we've been running a poll um, on the show all this morning about Hyundai are in talks with Apple to create a kind of electric car partnership. What do you know about this story? Yeah, it's it's something that's going to happen more and more as the, the car companies are now merging with these companies that as we're going towards electrification and autonomous vehicles and, and that sort of thing, um, Apple tried to do something on their own a while ago and it didn't quite work. So they've merged with a, with a car company with Hyundai mm. to try and to try and to get create something together. And we're going to see more of this. We're going to see Google and Uber and Waymo and Lyft. They're all trying to create their own cars mm. as we're moving towards electrification because we're reaching that tipping point where the car is is transforming from a mechanical device to a software device and and that's apparently uh, it, it's only a couple of years away by 2025 apparently they're going to say that about um 40 percent of the cars uh will be more of a software yes. than hardware um so that's the big that's the key thing and we're going to say, so yeah we're going to see more of this we're going to see software companies start to partner up mm. with traditional car manufacturers to try and create something together it's so interesting isn't it because obviously you know cars were all about the motor about the engine um and now it's becoming increasingly about like you say about that software and so you know it's what brand of software is it is is it microsoft or what platform are you using you know are you, are you um is it android or is it um you know apple and and it's going to completely change change the way that cars are designed and the way that we drive them if in fact we are sort of driving them at all i mean what sort of level of popularity do you think an apple car would have with the public i can tell you that in our poll we're currently at 67 yes can't wait to unbox it versus 33 no they should stick to phones yeah i think what we're going to see is we're going to see uh, apple doing what they're good at mm-hmm. and hyundai doing what they're good at that is Hyundai will, will do the, the nuts and bolts of running a car down the production line and bolting the doors on and making sure the quality is right and, and it doesn't leak and it doesn't do all these things, sort of things. And Apple will do their bit in terms of the, the software and merge them together. Because as we've seen, you know, Tesla is a brand new car company, as we know. Um, their quality is not up to standard with, with traditional car manufacturers, but they, the, the IT that comes from it is, is quite, you know, quite remarkable. Mm. So, um, and likewise with Kia, and Hyundai and these, these car companies, they're going to be looking for someone they can partner up with. For instance, you know, at the moment, um, we're looking at about, uh, well, in 2019, there was uh, $2.8 billion in software manufacturing. The projection for 2030 is that's going to be more than double that to $5.5 billion just yeah. simply to survive. Yeah. Um, and, and software is the critical thing for the next 15 years for, for car companies. It's absolutely the most important thing. 
And it's just like everything that increasingly in our homes, everything's connected to our smartphones and the car will be connected to the smartphone and increasingly. Um, and, you know, we'll be able to understand more about the cars that we're driving, the condition and, you know, the mechanics, so to speak, or the software from our phones, I think. It's going to become something that's much more yeah. integrated. Um, one thing that kind of excites me about this, um, and obviously, you know, other other mobile phones are available. I actually don't have an Apple, um, but, uh, you know, I've had them in the past. And it's the unboxing. You know, it's, the, it's actually an experience in itself when you uh, unbox something that's sort of been beautiful put together i think apple are kind of famous for that aren't they so how much do you reckon they'd be able to bring that kind of classic apple design into the vehicle yeah i think we're actually going to see a bit more of that now with online purchasing mm-hmm. um, and obviously COVID has, has has accelerated that as well and that's going to, to to fast track that and there is going to be more of that the cars you'll be able to you know purchase online it'll be delivered to you and then you you know you effectively unbox it in your driveway mm-hmm. and that sort of thing so yeah, definitely that's the way it's going. I mean, as you say, you know, with the way these cars are going to become connected, you know, at the moment a car has uh, several hundred computers on board, ICUs, you know, that, that do a myriad of things. That's going to change and that's going to become, narrow that down to about two, probably maybe even three supercomputers mm-hmm. that, will be, that will be connected to the cloud. So there'll be, there'll be cloud-based technology on these cars. And that's the, the, the big change with all of this, and that's where the likes of these come in. So, for instance, to give you an idea, um, at the moment, a, a car uses between 200,000 and a million lines of code uh, in, in its computer. Uh, it's going to need about 20 million lines of code to run an autonomous vehicle. And the space shuttle you know, was 400,000, something wow. like that. So that gives you an idea of how far they have to develop. And... This is taking the car companies out of their comfort zone. Yeah. You know, to be to be to be to be completely truthful with them, this is not what their this is not their speciality. This is you know, but it is for the companies like you know Google and Waymo and and, and Apple. Mm. That is what they that is what they do. So it's kind of a marriage of convenience that I think will be inevitable right across the board. And yeah. this is just the start of it. Let me ask you something. My um, in my car, um, the. Um that we've got the reverse uh, screen so we can you know we can see what's behind us while we're reversing uh, <laughs> and when it goes wrong obviously we have to take it to the garage right now and they you know they plug in and they fix the, they fix all the software do you think increasingly actually we would be able to do repairs like that from either using our mobile phones or taking something from the car and sort of plugging it into a, a laptop or a computer in the home and actually just going directly to Google or to Apple or to somebody else. And they actually sort of run a diagnostic for us. So do you think we're kind of going to maybe gradually um, scale down the importance of garages apart from things like tire tire changes and things like that? Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is going to be one of the big challenges for the, for the industry because a, a, a common um, uh, formula for for the car industry is they don't make a whole lot of money on selling the car, mm. but they make they make the, the cream on the cake comes from servicing when you bring the car back and you you have the maintenance. Now all that is starting to become less important on as cars go go full electric, for instance. So when you have a full electric car, you can do over the air updates to your car. And, you know, it's a matter of, you, you, with, with Tesla, for instance, you come out in the morning and your car has uh, another 15% of power under the hood because they've released something over the air. Or it's, you know, it's, um, there, there's a little, some gadgets that unlocked inside the car as well. Now, that transfer, that will transfer to what you're saying, where mm. you'll be able to run diagnostics over the air, over the, you know, plug it in, it, it'll, it'll run, have its own Wi-Fi code and 
you know, it will be able to, to uh, self-diagnose any issues with it and it'll be fixed over the air. Now, how that how the consumer pays for that, that's still a big, big one. I'm sure it'll be it'll be more a subscription-based method of owning a car in the future, and that's the way it's going. You're going to you're going to buy into apps that allow you certain features on a vehicle. Yes. Uh, for instance, with 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 navigation, with mapping, for instance, you know when you go to hire a car in in a, in a foreign country or something like that, you can then pay, or you will be able to pay to to have an uh, to have mapping just for that region. You don't need to know about you know the roads on the other side of the world. Yeah. So it'll be an it'll be an opt-in app, and that's the way that uh, that the industry will will, will will continue making their revenue mm. because it's going to be like your phone. It's no different to your phone. You, you 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 want to buy something, you download an app, and you install it into your car. Well, I wonder then if you won't be able to sort of the idea of a classic car would almost go out of the window if the software becomes because you know sometimes they sort of they don't update a version of a phone anymore mm. you're f- almost forced to buy the newest version or the the, the, the latest couple of versions because they're not doing the updates anymore i wonder if that could happen for our cars um and how, yes, how so, people would react mm. to that yeah definitely and this is where we're going to see a, a, a big change in in our attitudes towards towards motoring and cars mm. uh we're still going to keep classic cars that that that's going to be there there's going to be a niche market for you know there'll be future ferraris and rolls royces and aston martins and all the you know the toys that people love but our bread and butter our cars that we go to work in and 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 commute and do the shopping in they're going to be like phones where you know once once they become fully electric people won't know and won't really care what the power unit is under the hood i mean can can, can anyone name uh, what motor powers their, their washing machine or their dishwasher. You know, it doesn't matter. It, you know, as long as it does the job. And it's going to be like your phone where you're just going to say, okay, in three years, I'll, I'll hand it back and get a new one. And that's, that's the consumerism that's going to come in for mm. your, your regular bread and butter running around. And this is where the app-based stuff comes in as well. We're going to have ride shares yep. where, you know, you, you'll, you'll buy an app that'll allow a car to pick you up and, and take you to work and back, but you don't actually keep it in the garage overnight. So massive, massive changes coming in, in that regard. It's like a picture of the future. I'm not sure if I like every aspect of it. OK, uh, back to our motoring news. Damien Reed is here with us all the way from Australia. Uh, and Damien, uh, just time to talk about um, the new uh, Grand Cherokee, the Greek Jeep Jan, Grand, can't talk for a second, put my teeth in, Grand Cherokee. The UAE, obviously home to many Jeep fans. Uh, lots of us uh, own one. I used to own one as well. Or we would like to buy one. Um, but the new uh, L has been revealed in international markets. Tell us about it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's big news here, of course. It's on its way. It'll probably be here around about the third quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. But the announcement in the, the international launch was, was quietly let out during the week. Um, it's uh, it's it's a seven seater for the first time, so that that's wow. good news. It'll be around about one hundred and fifty thousand dirhams upwards um, mm. when it, when it hits the market here. So um, it has a familiar Jeep look on the outside in terms of the you know the the, the typical Jeep grille and the, the squared off wheel arches. Um, it's a biggish looking car inside, completely new interior. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's actually based on the Alfa Stel Alfa Romeo Stelvio uh, uh, platform that um, because they're General Motors and Fiat is a uh, sorry Jeep I should say yeah. Chrysler Jeep 
and um, they're going to kill me for that one. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Fiat Chrysler, uh, they're the same company, so they're product sharing with the platform. But, yep. but yeah, it's going to be a big one. Um, when, it, when it lands here, it's uh, keeping the familiar engines, the 3.6-litre V6, that's mm-hmm. 295 brake horsepower, and the 5.7 V8, 362 horsepower, so eight-speed gearboxes. Um, but they love it in this part of the world. You know, it's it's, it's really going to uh, turn a few heads when when it lands here in the third quarter. Yeah, and it, it sounds like they've really kind of raised the bar in in, in lots of different ways with this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, there's uh, you know, you're talking about 3.2 ton towing capacity for the for the V8. You've got uh, enormous weighting depth, 619 millimeters of, of getting through uh, getting mm-hmm. through wadis if you need need thankfully because of it it's got air suspension um but the interior interior you've got uh you know a, a 10.1 inch uh central display screen you've got a 10.25 inch digital display screen in front of you so you've got digital dials mm. 360 degree uh camera views around you have night vision uh a rear view camera that you're talking about earlier uh but this time it's mounted inside the rear mirror so it, it basically wipes out the back seats and the headrests and the spare wheel arch and all those things that block your view when you yes. look in the mirror. Yeah. Um, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. So it's really caught up in terms of into when it comes to comfort and features that that, was, that the previous model was was missing because the previous model had been around for a while. It was uh, it had been around since 2011, and it was those areas where it was just starting to feel a bit old. So really looking forward to seeing it when it lands here. Very exciting. Okay, a um, bit of local news now. Um, for those who haven't left the country in a while and uh, fancy doing something new, uh, the capital has just added something uh, that could be on your bucket list. Uh, Abu Dhabi has launched six new desert driving routes designed to make the most of the Emirates' dune-surrounded location. Um, it's the Off-Road Driving in Abu Dhabi project. What can you tell us about this, Damien? This is great. This is a fantastic initiative. You know, I've, I love going out in the dunes, but uh, unless you really know where you're going, mm. you, you need to travel with a lot of other people who know the area. So the fact that there's a guide now that, that, that works off the GPS and the navigation that ensures you do eventually get back onto the, on the tarmac is fantastic. So, yeah, there's some really good drive routes that, that we use a, a fair bit, um, ranging from, from easy to, to quite difficult mm. uh, down towards uh, Alain. There's some others that sort of dip, dip around um, uh, Liwa. There's a particular one that I like in, in Liwa. That's, um, it's a difficult one. It's about just over 100 kilometres but you see so much uh, you know, fauna and, out there, and you see you know gazelles out there, and uh, mm. you know, beautiful. And, and and if you're lucky, you end up at a five star resort at the end of the trial. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have a proper dinner and a nice shower. Yeah, um, a bit like going yeah, to a it's, safari it's a fantastic park. initiative. Yeah, and, and what, yeah. I, what, what I like about this as well is that the routes, the six routes, are, are ranked based on difficulty so if you are going out for the very first time or you're not very confident or you know either about your own skills of driving on the dunes or about your vehicle then you you know you can you can start at the bottom and kind of work your way up in increasing difficulties do you think this is going to going to make a lot of people um head over to abu dhabi and and hit the dunes oh definitely i'm going to have it i'm going to give it a crack for sure um you know the the easiest one is the al rima uh, route, which is a 67 kilometres, and it, and it basically starts on very flat, hard-packed sand next to some camel farms mm-hmm. on the Alain Road, and then it heads off around behind the the, the racing track, and, and then off into uh, into the dunes there. Um, but you still get some high dunes, and you get some you know some some nice dips and crests just to get the experience of of dune bashing and and that sort of thing. But you're never too far away from from the road. 
Um, so, you know, then there's uh, there's the, the, the dunes through Lewa, um, the another one around uh, Alain. The, you know, it's a bit of a drive to get down there, but once you're there, it's 150, just over 150 kilometres. Mm. And, um, and it's great for camel spotting because it goes past a couple of camel farms out there as well, and you can camp out there and... There's um, really Damien, good thing, however... Damien, sorry to interrupt you. What what sort of um, mm. safety... Obviously, you know, if you're a beginner, you want to start with, with the easiest route, and obviously you're going on a, on a, on a recorded route, but what, what sort of safety measures should you do before you head out for the very first time as well? Should you kind of make sure that people know that you're heading out and you should be back by X time? Yeah, yeah, you read my mind, actually. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, be that. The, I was just about to, about to say is that you must not forget where, that you're in a you're in a vulnerable situation yeah. in the desert, and and uh, even if you're the most experienced driver, I, I would strongly suggest that you don't go out on your own. But you go out with another car, at least one other car, yeah. because if you do get stuck and you can't get out, you need to, to secure the car around something. So, you know, when we're in. Uh, in the forest and everything else, you can you can winch out using a tree or a rock or something, but you don't have that in the desert most mm-hmm. of the time. So you need another car that will help you get out. The other thing you must always carry with you is water, um, a, a, a charging cord for your phone, yeah. um, and preferably be within mobile phone distance so that you know you can track where you are with, it, with the GPS if you need to get uh, an airlift out, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a simple thing is a. Uh, is, a, is a flag on the top of the aerial to put on the car because when you go into into dunes and when you go into bowls that, that are at the bottom of dunes, um, you, you can be there. And if other people come over the dunes, they can't see you. They, they might be buggies. You don't know who's out there. Yeah. There might be sandboat dune buggies flying over the top and, and uh, can be a pretty nasty situation. So, for instance, one of the one of the routes actually has, you drive past as a, a burnt-out Nissan patrol and it's always a little bit sobering to know that if you're not careful, you can still get into trouble. And so, uh, oh, and an air compress air compressor that can plug off the cigarette lighter or twelve volt charger because yeah. when you deflate, you obviously deflate your tires when you go onto the sand, and you may get back on the road in a very remote area that's a long way from a garage and, and get your tires back up to pressure. So, just a couple of things, but always safety number one when you head out in the desert, regardless of how easy the <laughs> yeah. the path might look. Uh, Damien, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, if people want to find out more about that, they can go to the Visit Abu Dhabi website where all the details uh, are on there. Check out the route. Uh, like Damien said, make sure you've taken all the safety precautions before you head out and then have a fantastic time. Uh, Damien, I'm sure you've got a, a packed week. Um, we'll catch up with you in a fortnight, uh, but thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if people want to ca- follow you, Damien, on Online. What, what, what's your handle? What's your online social media? Uh, pretty simple. My Instagram is at, at Damien Reed, and uh, and likewise, my, my Facebook is there. It's on Twitter. It's all at Damien Reed. My Formula One work is uh, at Damo Reed F1. So uh, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory, and you'll find me there. Thank you so much. Thanks, Damien, for joining us. Fix it or flip it. In just a moment, Matthew Davidson, head of motoring at Dubizzle, will be joining us live on the line. Over the next hour, he's going to be using his expertise and his experience to provide live car valuations. So if you're trying to decide whether to fix up or sell your car, now is the time. Good morning, Matthew. Hey, Ray, how are you? I'm doing very, very well. How are you doing? Yeah, fantastic. 
Uh, Big ha- week, yeah. So much news. Yeah, I, but I want to. I want to start by asking you um, how you feel about this um, Hyundai Apple potential, uh, you know, <laughs> news that's coming through. Would you Would you like to hit the road in an Apple car? Well, just go back to uh, 2007 when Apple announced they were launching a phone. Everyone said, "Are you joking? Stick to computers. You don't know what you're doing." And, you know, the same thing's going to happen with the car. But ultimately, you know, if you're looking at Hyundai, um, South Korean company that are really, really driving innovation, mm. it could be quite an interesting partnership. And, I, and I'm sure you will see, if it happens, you will see many people queuing up to buy the Apple car. And, and then after that, there'll be Samsung cars and I don't know what else cars, but they'll, they'll, they'll all come, right? Well, yeah, you're, you're, we're moving into a new era in motoring where you've got micro manufacturers, small uh, manufacturers of cars cropping up because of the EV revolution. You're no longer going no to see 20, 30 manufacturers dominating the, the marketplace. You're going to see literally hundreds and hundreds of them. And, mm-hmm. and also things like 3D printing now make it easier to bring small micro factories to, uh, to uh, manufacturing very quickly. So it's going to be an interesting space. I mean, I think Apple will just be in there along with everyone else is going to be jumping on uh, this new uh, motoring revolution. Yeah, it's all happening. Um, we're going to throw a little bit of a spanner in the works as well this week, Matt, um, because last week I suddenly came up with this idea for Speed Quote, um, and we've even gone so far as to download a 60-second clock. So you know we're serious about this now, um, and we're going we're gonna to do that as a new feature at the top of this hour, just before 11. So all the uh, SMSs that we don't have time to get to, we're going to rattle through them in Speed Quote. How do you feel about that? Um, we had a lot of messages from last time. So while we're waiting for our callers uh, on this morning's programme, 04871 if you want to join us, let's go through some of the, the messages we didn't have time to get to last time, starting with uh, Paolo uh, in Sports City. I have an accident-free and well-maintained 2016 Mitsubishi Montero Sport premium 4x4 running at 85,000 kilometers on the odometer. How much do you think will I get if I decide to sell it eventually? Thank you. Okay, so that's a 2016 Mitsubishi Montero Sport premium 4x4, 85,000 kilometers on the clock. And he looks like he wants to sell it, but how much could he get, Matthew? Yeah, nice car, kind of like a very contemporary Pajero seat seven people. The premium is, uh, you know, top of the line. You'd be looking with those kilometers around sixty-five thousand. Mm-hmm. Sixty-five thousand. Yeah, I, I would put I would put that online for around sixty-five. Maybe you could start with. 70, but I, I feel that I'll sell for around 65,000 euros. 65, OK. Put it on at 70, Paolo. Uh, Happy New Year, Matthew. Uh, so you can tell how this, this quote is uh, obviously from last week. This message is from last week. I have a 2014 Ford F-150 King Ranch, full service history uh, with Ford, 135,000 on the clock. Um, it's white over gold, GCC spec, V8, 5 litre, uh, very good condition, never been off-road or modified. How much uh, could they get for it? Yeah, a GCC King Ranch, never, if it's genuinely never been off-road, I mean, that's, mm. that is uh, good. Uh, in terms of price, I, my, my feeling is around 80,000 dirhams. Uh, would have been just out of warranty. They come with a five-year warranty. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would say that would sell for around 80,000. 
OK, 80,000 on that. Remember when you message us to include your name as well, if you can, 4001. Colin has done that. He's messaged in. So it's a question for Matthew. Um, I've been thinking about buying a Wrangler Safari. Are there any considerations I need to stay away from on this model? Um, are there any history of issues or problems with the Wrangler Safari? Yeah, Safari is just the trim. So you, you have like a sport trim, a sa- sa- Safari trim. Safari is generally more towards the top of the line, so it'll have leather seats, etc. Mm. But you, you break Jeep Wranglers at, down into their model variants. So the early 2000s, you had the TJ. Then in 2008, they relaunched the Wrangler as a JK. And then recently in 2018, a JL. So if we go right in the middle and, and suggest that a JK, which was from 2008 to 2018, they're generally pretty pretty good, reliable cars. It's the classic Wrangler that you'll see on the road at the moment. Most people own a JK. Mm-hmm. I, I would say problems, you, you get water and wind noise. So the 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 tops are hard tops, but they're bolted in. So sometimes you get, if you're jet washing them, they get water or rain in there. Uh, they're a bit, you get a bit of wind noise coming in at speed. Um, noisy tires, because they have to build tires that work on the road and off-road mm-hmm. um, and probably the thing to watch out for axle seals you you, you generally get uh, leaking axle seals but apart from that the, the JK the 2008 to 18 Wrangler is is pretty reliable okay hope that helps you Colin uh, Asan has messaged in on 4001 Asan has got a Jaguar F-Type SV6 50,000 on the clock, and it does have warranty up until April of this year. There's a full-service history. Uh, It's a black car, and it's in good condition with general wear and tear. And um, Isan Isan is wondering whether he should fix or flip. Uh, Well, if it's April 21, so it's a 16 model, I guess, with a five-year warranty. Mm -hmm. Um, That that would make sense. So if it's a 2016, I would say around 150,000. That's what they seem to be changing hands for. Good time to sell it now because who wouldn't want to be seen in a convertible F-Type? Yeah. Uh, beautiful looking car. Um, yeah, it's a good time to sell right now, actually, while, while we've got such fantastic weather. But I would say around 150000 And that's pretty low mileage as well for, for five, well, almost five years in. Yeah, I mean, that type of car, you know, a coupe convertible does around 10,000. A typical kilometres here uh, for people is around 15,000 a year. Mm. Obviously, that type of, of car gets less usage. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not high, but it's not incredibly low either. It's, a, it's, a, it's on, on, on point, really. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that, that's a good time to sell that car as well. About to come out of warranty in a couple of months. Okay. And you've got the desirable weather to entice people towards that car. Matthew Davidson is here with us. He's the head of motoring at Dubizzle, and he's ready to give you live car valuations. So if you're trying to decide whether to fix up or sell your car, now is the time to give us a call. All you need to do, message in 4001 with the make, the model, the year, the mileage and the condition of your car. And Matthew will do his very best uses expert uh, knowledge to tell you what you could get for it if you decide to sell. And in fact, if they should sell at all, because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of factors that, that go into this, isn't there, Matthew? I mean, it's not, it's not always a sort of a, a clear thing. It's, you know, the, we become attached to, to our cars. And, you know, even though there might be the odd problem or um, something recurring, sometimes it's hard to let them go. 
Yeah, yeah, and you you actually get the reverse as well when people are buying one. If, if they if if, if they, I call it blind love, if mm. they want the car so much, they'll kind of ignore some of the glaring red flags in front of them. Yeah. But, you know, when, when you're selling a car, timing is everything as well. I mean, if you think about, say, you've got a family car, a big seven-seat SUV or something, mm. a good time to sell that is the very end of the summer because families are coming back to the UAE. It's a new school uh, term. They, they need to, uh, they're moving here for the first time. They'll need to put their family into a car. Uh, you don't want to be selling the same car just before the summer when a lot of people are heading out of the UAE. So mm. you, you need to try, kind of think. I mean, I've, I've spoken to people over the years that have been really smart where they sell about a month ahead of everyone else. And even if they need to rent for a month, it's still cheaper than the depreciation because they've been caught in, in, the, in the crossfire of everyone else selling the same car. So you need to think about what type of car you're selling. For example, a convertible car beautiful time to sell it is from you know october november through to april but more towards the beginning of the season of course but you don't want to be selling that car in the middle of the summer in july you're going to really struggle so you see you can get some expert advice from matthew here zero four eight seven one double five double zero or text four zero zero one don has messaged in says hi great show uh, matthew he would like your thoughts on an alfa romeo spider from 1990 <laughs> Ray, Ray, we could build. Ray, we could build an entire show on this car. Uh, really? Oh so well. Okay. Yeah. So I need to be as brief as possible. But this car is, is an absolute classic, built for thirty years from the mid sixties through to about ninety three, ninety four. Yeah. They built four different generations, four series, and the nineteen ninety is the beginning of the last series. They call it the force four series. It, it was the first one that came with fuel injection. Pr- previously, they had carburetor engines, although some of the 90s in Europe still use the third generation uh, 1.6 carburetor engine, but most of them are a fuel injection. They, they came with power steering for the first time, electric windows. Um, that car, if you, if you want to picture it, it looks like a Porsche 911 from the front and a Saab from the back. <laughs> it's very, very bizarre, yeah. the, fourth, the fourth generation car. Nice but from both angles. Yeah, yeah. Generally speaking, uh, they're, they're relatively reliable for an Alpha, uh, the fourth series Spiders. If you could find one for sale in the UAE, anything between fifty and 75,000 dirhams. But um, yeah, we could dedicate a show to this car. One interesting fact about the Alpha Spider, if anyone knows the film The Graduate with Dustin Hoffman, oh, yeah. um, that's the car, the red car he's driving uh, through the dusty roads at the beginning. That's a that's the first generation. I'm going to check it, <laughs> check it out later on. First generation spider. Fix it or flip it. Lots of calls coming through. Matthew, let's go straight to Amar. Good morning, Amar. Good morning. How are you? Very, very well. Thanks for calling in. What would you like to ask Matthew? Right. Hello, Matthew. Matthew, I have a uh, 2012 white Porsche Kain S. Obviously, it's 2012 model. It's got a lot of kilometers, about 240,000. Always been serviced by Al Nabuda. Still under warranty. I keep buying a warranty every year uh, till July 2021. I know I don't, I don't expect much, but I'm just wondering, what would this car be worth, please? Matthew. Matthew, are you there? Oh, well, we seem to be having some trouble getting... Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, here. there you are. Sorry, sorry. I lost you guys. No problem, um, Matthew. Yeah. Did, did you hear that from Amar? 
Yeah, I got it. I got it. So that's a prime example of a car where you've taken advantage of Porsche's warranty, where you can continue to uh, uh, put a warranty on the car to the 10th year. So although your kilometers are really high, the fact that you've got a warranty is amazing. And obviously, you've maintained it as Porsche, uh, at Porsche as well. I mean, if you didn't have that, I would say the car would probably be 45, 50. But I think you could get as much as 65 for that car because you've got the warranty on it. What do you think of that quotation, Amar? Oh, that's amazing. I never <laughs> expected that. I expected that. I mean, honestly, because in Dubai, every, everyone likes a bit of a bling and everything really depreciates very fast. So I wasn't expecting that. That's fantastic. Have you pretty much made up your mind that it's time to let the Porsche go? Oh, absolutely. But I just want to upgrade to a 2015 model and I wonder how much that would cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I have, you have time to tell me that. <laughs> Matthew, 20, uh, 2015? A kindness. Just, just to go up to a, a 2015, well, you, you'd probably want one with lower kilometers, of course, but I, I think you could be easily getting one for around 105, 110, um, and you get one in very good condition at that price as well. Mm. Is that the sort of price point you're looking for? Oh, I was happy to pay up till 120. So oh. 105, 110, with about 70, 80,000 kilometers. I think that'll be lovely because these cars go forever. Fantastic. Well, I hope that uh, I hope that helps, Edamar. One certainly one uh, satisfied customer there, Matthew. Um, and we are going to be joined now on the line. Uh, our next caller is Rolf. Rolf, how yeah. are you doing? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you? Yes, very well. Sorry, probably murdering your name there. So apologies for that. But <laughs> no worries. What would you like to ask, Matthew? Um, so I have a white Jaguar XK convertible from mm. 2013. Uh, mileage is around 130. 138 or something. Um, I just had it serviced, and and the service was rather expensive. So I'm 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 thinking of parting with it just to avoid the next one. Uh, but I just was wondering what they're doing because on on the bill I don't see them flipping very fast. Mm-hmm. So, do you mind me revealing how much you spent on your service, Ma- uh, Rolf? Because I've got the I've got the figure here, or you can tell us. Yeah, the last one was uh, fourteen thousand. Okay, so yeah, when it gets when it kind of starts getting up to that much, it it does make you think time to time to let it go, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. Matthew, what would you say? Uh, Jaguar XK uh, thirteen hundred and thirty thousand, and it's white. It's a convertible. Yeah, I mean a beautiful car and a car that you'd want to own right now. The issue that you're facing is you've got. A lot of competition, um, particularly even with the uh, F-Type that came out, um, which kind of everybody gravitated to. It's coming on for an eight-year-old car now, and they start to get expensive, and people buying them know that. I mean, obviously, you've just spent 14,000 dirhams fixing it up. It is time to move the car on. My feeling is that car is around 85, 90, but... It's going to be hard to sell it. You need to be aggressive to sell it. So look at what else is on the market, um, like for like, and maybe pitch yourself around 5,000 below that because there's not going to be many people looking for these. So the people that are looking, you need to make sure they at least view your car first because people don't come and look at your car. You can't sell it. Rove, hope that helps. Uh, What do you think of the advice there? That was higher than expected. Okay. That's good. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I was thinking around uh, sixty or seventy. So, mm-hmm. and do you know what you're I'm gonna guess. you're gonna go for next? Uh, no, not yet. I'm, I was thinking of the, um, the new Defender. Mm-hmm. So 
something like that. But that's like way too new because there's no second-hand market yet for those. Mm -hmm. So I might need to hang on to this one, wait till the second-hand market for those pop up, and then see if that's an option. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, well, hope that helps for you, uh, Rolf. Uh, Jason has messaged. He says, hello, I've got a Toyota Land Cruiser 2011. It's got 168,000 on the clock. Uh, It's a VXR with a V8 engine full option um and it's great uh and he wants to know what you think he could sell it for yeah super desirable car for jason um vxr is the top of the line 5.7 v8 uh even those kilometers aren't aren't considered high for a land cruiser here okay uh, i i would say you'd be looking as much as eighty five, ninety thousand for that car because there's so many people chasing them and you'll you'll get a lot of uh people from outside the region from Oman and Saudi even chasing them as well. So yeah, pitch that car online for around 85, 90,000 dirhams. Okay. Hope that helps you, Jason. Uh, let's uh, go to a message here from Abdulrahman and he has got a BMW 520i. It's only done 7,000 kilometers. It's 2020. So last year um, from the showroom used very sparingly. What price could he get for it if he was to sell? Yeah, I mean, this is really difficult because the worst literally time to sell a car is is when it's nearly new. Mm. Because you you've bought a brand new one, first of all, so you've taken a big big hit of depreciation as as you drive it away. But anybody that has that kind of money for a 520, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go to the showroom and see what deals they can also get. So the delta between what you sell it for and, and what the dealers uh, uh, are doing for new deals, you've got to be very, very careful. Mm. Um, my feeling that car is, uh, if it's the executive model, the 520 executive, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be around uh, late 160s, like once, maybe 165, 170. Mm-hmm. But this, if you can hang on to this car, you're far better off driving it for another year, 18 months, extracting that value then, and then selling it. Because you, you, you've really got an uphill struggle to sell this car. Okay, that's uh, advice there for you, Abdul Rahman. Uh, we are joined on the line by Rowan. Good morning, Rowan. Hi, good morning. Good morning to you. What would you like to ask Matthew? So I've got a, a Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 2013, mm-hmm. and the mileage is around 112,000 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the full service history with the dealership. There's some minor body um, scratches. And we, we do have to repair the, the sunroof. The, it's not opening properly. But other than that, the car is in, in good condition. Okay. How much do you think I could get for that? Matthew, over to you. And, yeah, and what, yeah. should I fix the sunscreen before we, we sell it or, or not? Yes, Matthew. Sorry, the sunroof. Yeah, I mean, I'd certainly get a quote to fix the sunroof so you, you know um, – you know, at least whether it's worth it, because it might be a minor fix and then it adds value. But you know, when you're selling a car, you, a lot of sellers don't ask buyers what's important to them. Maybe a sunroof's not that important to somebody, so they might not be opening it ever. I mean, I've mm. had cars where I've, I've never even opened a sunroof. So have a quote. And yeah. then if, if somebody says to you, how much is it to fix? At least you can tell them. But, I mean, the Overland's the, the V8, so it's, it's more towards the top end of the, the Cherokees, one, one of my favorite ones, actually. What did you say the kilometers were? Uh, it's uh, just under 112,000. Okay, so, again, good, good kilometers for it. My, my feeling for that car is it's probably around 
uh, forty-two to forty-five thousand. Um, that's what it will sell for. Uh, I would put it online for forty-five, um, and I would get a quote for the sunroof, but not repair the sunroof. Mm. That's an interesting they, they, point. They told me the sunroof would cost about uh, three to four thousand dirhams to repair. Okay, don't repair it. It's <laughs> not worth spending ten percent of the value of the car to fix something. Right. Um, again, ask. You know, is a sunroof important to the to the buyer? You'd be surprised how many people say no. Right. Mm. And at least they yeah. will they okay. will have an idea of the price. I guess they can use that when they haggle. What do you think of uh, the quotation there? Uh, yeah, Me? I think it was uh, about what, what we thought we thought about mid mid forty. So, and what do you what do you what are you looking to go for next then, Rowan? Um, we're not sure. Maybe another another just an upgrade from this one or or newer version. But um, oh yeah, we haven't decided yet, really. Okay, but it's time to let it go. We're, we're debating. We're not sure. We're just thinking about what if we did sell it, what would it go for and, and whether it was worth selling it or not. OK, well, we'll be uh, giving some news about the new Jeep Cherokee later on uh, with Damien Reed. So stay tuned to the programme. That will be just after 11 a.m. this morning. Uh, Rowan, thank you so much for your call. Uh, time to head over now to uh, Ben on line number two. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, doing really well. Hope you're doing well as well. What would you like to ask Matthew? Hi, Matthew. I want to ask about my Ford Mustang. I'm thinking of selling the car. It's mm-hmm. a 2015 model, mm-hmm. 96,000 uh, on the clock. Um, yeah, so I just want to find out the price that I could sell it for. And what sort of condition is it in, uh, Ben? It's a very good condition. Uh, been serviced uh, in the dealership all the time, so it's it's really good condition. No no accidents, nothing. Do you know what model it is? It's twenty fifteen, the basic model. The basic, um, yeah. Okay, Matthew, what would you say? Sorry, I didn't hear what what the car was. It's, it's a Ford the, Mustang, twenty fifteen uh, Ford okay. Mustang with ninety six on the clock. Great condition, no accidents. GCC bought bought GCC, from, yeah. from yeah that's no, GCC. Yeah, that's really important when you when you uh, look for particularly Mustangs here because there's so many imported. Do you know if it's the V6 or the V8? It's the V6. Okay, so for um, these cars, you've got a lot of following because this this was the, the 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 beginning of the newer shape. So you still have a lot of people chasing this car, and the fact that you've got it under warranty, etc. My my feeling is around 65-70k. Um, I would put it online and, and see how the market reacts. You're going to have a lot of competition in there with, with some V8s and some imports, but take some nice pictures. The car should stand out really, really well. What sort of price were you hoping to get for it, Ben? Around 60, I was thinking. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's more. So that's good news for you. Yeah, very good. Very good. And, and so what, would you, what would you go for instead? Um, I'm thinking because I'm, I'm going to uh, do a lot of, of mileage going mm-hmm. forward for my new job. So I'm thinking Ford Edge, mm-hmm. something comfortable to drive uh, on the highway. Yeah. Like a, something you can just be the captain of and just, just sort of cruise. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Ben, I hope that helps. Uh, have a great uh, rest of your weekend. Uh, Kuteba texted in, said, Hi, uh, Matthew, I've got a Ford Explorer Sport. It's a 2015. It's in perfect condition. 80,000 kilometres on the clock, Uh, full service history. Uh, What's the value? And thanks for the amazing show. Yeah, that is a really nice car. So the the Explorer Sport is 
like there's many trims that you can get for for the uh, Explorer for the sports like the top of the top of the range mm. uh, for a 15. What was the kilometers, Ray? It's 80k. Yeah, so the kilometers are pretty much on, on point as well. I, I would say that car, my feeling is around 75, 80,000 dirhams. Um, put it online, see how the market reacts. But that is a really nice car, and and, and buyers buyers that are looking for sports will know that as well. Okay, hope that helps you, Kateba. Uh, no name on this next message, uh, but uh, they would like to know the market price for a 2019 Corvette Grand Sport, black, uh, 13,000 kilometres and four years agency warranty. So what, what model year was it? It's a 2019 Corvette Grand Sport, um, 13,000 on the clock, and it's obviously still got another couple of years uh, on the warranty or another year on the warranty. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nearly, you know, we're into 21 now, but it's one mm. of those cars that's nearly quite quite new. I mean, it's, it's a difficult car. I mean, it's the Grand Sport's a Corvette, basically. They don't mention that, but that's what the Grand Sport is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my, my feeling that car is around two fifty, mm-hmm. two hundred and fifty thousand. Um, but there won't be many of those cars online. It's not ideal to sell it so soon. It's a relatively new car, but yeah, around two fifty. And that's a, that's a very low mileage as well for for over two years of of driving. Thirteen thousand. Yeah, it's 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 a luxury coupe, you know. Mm. Uh, as I said, they won't. They're not the type of cars that you would daily. Well, I, I imagine you would daily, daily drive that car. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's not bad in terms of kilometres, but it's it's not super low. Um, it's it's normal to be to be that low. Um, but yeah. You're looking around 250,000 dirhams. Uh, Kumar has messaged in and he says, uh, I have a 2012 Panamera S. It's only done 30,000 kilometres and it's in mint condition. How much would I get if I were to sell it? 2012 Panamera S, 30,000 kilometres. That is extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, incredible for a Panamera to have that. Um, yeah, I mean, the Porsche Panamera has gone through a couple of, of um, facelifts and new models since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a Panamera S, yeah? Yes. Yeah, so you, you're looking, it's hard to, hard to price it with that such low kilometers. Mm-hmm. I mean, normal kilometers that, for that car would be anything between eighty and 100,000. Yeah. The price normally would be around maybe 70, 75. But I mean... Even though super low kilometers, you're not going to be able to get much over 95 because then you're creeping into Panamera turbo money um, for the high kilometer turbo. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely ceiling is is 95, but my gut tells me it's more going to be like 85 because it's just still uh, a 2012 Panamera at the end of the day. Mm. Kilometers are super low. You've got to find somebody that really values that that low kilometers. But um, yeah, put it on the market and let's see what people think of that. Uh, we've got a follow-up question from Rowan, uh, and she says, would Matthew recommend that she holds on to the car uh, or sells it and upgrades? Uh, hold, holds on to it or sells it and upgrades. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the age of that now. I mean, it was, you know, it's nearly an 80-year-old car, so it is a good time to sell it. Um, 
And it, although it's taken a large proportion of its depreciation, and you know it's under 50,000 dirhams now, um, yeah, it, it might start to cause a few issues mechanically, electrically. So um, I'm, I'm not saying it will, but you don't want to roll the dice with that. It's probably a good time to move that car on. So I, I would say uh, flip it. Good morning, Sam. Yeah, good morning. Hi. Yeah, how are you doing? It's a great show, first of all. Oh, thank you. Show. Thank you. You're too kind, Sam. Uh, you, can, you can call <laughs> any time you like. Uh, what would you like to ask Matthew? Yeah, hi. Uh, hi, Matthew. Uh, I have uh, a 2017 Toyota Prado, and it's, uh, it's a GXR uh, model. It's a 4-litre V6 uh, engine, and yep. the, uh, uh, the mileage is uh, it's under 95,000. Mm-hmm. So, what would be the uh, um, selling price? Like, I, I've done uh, all this servicing and all in, uh, in the agency. Okay, so uh, agency service 2017 Toyota Prado GXR 4 litre V6 and under 95,000 on the clock. What say you, Matthew? Yeah, well, morning, Sam, because you were so nice to us, I'll be <laughs> so nice to you. I mean, you've got, you've got one of the most desirable cars in the UAE, the Prado. Uh, 2017 will still have uh, a large chunk of that warranty left. Um, GXR, even with those kilometers, you're, you're still around 100,000 dirhams, believe it or not. This just, it's just such a desirable car here. Um, but yeah, you should be able to sell that car for 100,000 dirhams, Sam. So what, uh, how does that uh, come across to you then, Sam? 100K? Yeah, wow, that, that's great. I was thinking around like... Uh... 80 to 85k but 100 no 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 don't put it on that cheap you have your phone will go (laughs) (laughs) crazy (laughs) and uh, do you know what you're looking to move on to sam uh yeah i was uh, thinking of buying a nissan petrol that uh, super safari model Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so that'll be my next one okay well good good luck with that fix it or flip it. Yes, this is your last chance to get through to the studio. If you'd like Matthew's advice, zero four eight seven one double five double zero or text four zero zero one. Matthew, don't forget we've got the uh, the speed quote first ever debut on radio coming up uh, in just a few minutes' time. Uh, right, joining us on the line now, we've got Neil. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Morning, morning, good. We're good. good. Thank you very much, Neil. What would you like to ask Matthew? Yeah, I got a 2010 uh, Pajero mid-size, uh, doing around 180k uh, kilometers or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, what price would I get? Uh, what do you think? So it's 180 on the clock. It's a 2010 Pajero. Um, it's white I've got here, and it's mid-range. What could uh, yeah. Neil get, Matthew? Well, Neil, these cars are one of the most popular ones in the UAE, the Pajero. They run and run. There's always people looking for that seven-seat car. You know, you'll still get 20,000 dirhams for this car. Um, If I was in your position, I'd put it online um, and be prepared for quite a few people to call you. But you should get 20,000 dirhams. Is that what you were looking for, Neil? Yeah, I was looking uh, something around fifteen thousand to twenty thousand. Oh. Yeah. Okay. okay, so that's not too bad. Um, and, and are you are you moving on or moving up? What are you going to What are you planning to do? I'm planning on taking the Ford Edge. Okay, yeah. Ford Edge. Okay, nice, yeah. excellent. Uh, and that twenty will help. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, it will come with the Fendi. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, I hope that helps you, uh, Neil, as well. Uh, we are going to now go to Richard on line two. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, very well. What would you like to ask Matthew? Um, I've got a 2012 Jaguar XK. It's done 104,000 kilometres. Mm-hmm. It's in pristine condition. Um, needing to sell it as a new addition to the family means we need to get four doors. Ah, okay. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, obviously, you want to know what you could get for it, yes, please. Uh, Matthew. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about the XK earlier on in the show. Um, this, this car is still such a beautiful looking car. I mean, you'll be sorry to say goodbye of it. Maybe not the maintenance side of it, but the actual car. Um, I, I would say around 75,000. But as I said to the previous caller on this, you need to look at what is on the market. There's not going to be too many people chasing that car. You need to get ahead of the other sellers. You, you can't sell a car until somebody comes to see it. So you need to make sure that you're competitive. So look around. Look at what other 2012s are selling for. My gut tells me around 75,000, um, but you just need to make sure you get those few people that are shopping for this car calling you first. Okay, what do you think of uh, of that then, Richard? 75k, will that help you? Very much so. That's uh, 15k more than I was prepared to let it go for. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I, hope, I hope they're not listening. <laughs> yeah, don't give us your phone name. You know, that, that's a good point because, look, you can put the car on for 75. Uh, you can always come down a little bit if you don't get any calls. But if you do get calls, you know that you've got a little bit of negotiation in the locker there. Um, so, you know, you, you come with a position of strength, utilise it. Fantastic. Well, Thanks, guys. Richard, while I've got you on the line, um, can I ask, because um, obviously we're running this poll today um, about the potential of uh, Hyundai bringing out an Apple car. Um, if if you were buying a new car and the Apple was available, would it be something you'd consider? No. Why? Because I can't stand Apple products. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> no, very, very nice. Very, 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 very direct as well. Uh, well, that's the thoughts of Richard. Thank you. Uh, time now for uh, the very first ever radio edition of a brand new game show, <laughs> not quite, uh, called Speed Quote. Uh, and we are going to go through some of these um, texts that we've got in and not had time to get to yet. So, Matthew, are you ready? Born ready, Ray. Of course born you were ready. born ready. Uh, okay, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock and we'll go through this as quickly as we can and see how many uh, prices you can give us. I'm getting a fresh sheet of paper uh, ready just now. And here we go. Okay, Toyota Prado 2017 GXR 4-litre V6, 95,000 on the clock. 100,000. Okay, we've got Nissan Duke. 2014, 1.6 litre, 112,000. Good condition. Uh, 20,000 dirhams. Corvette C7, 2015, uh, 71,000. Dealer service, good condition. Oh, dice car, uh, 145,000. Okay, uh, Ford Fusion, 2014, 83,000 on the clock. Minor wear and tear, full service history. 17, 18,000 dirhams. Okay. Uh, 2016 Cadillac CTS. Uh, performance, 57,000 kilometres, six-month warranty, agency serviced. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear that one. 2016 Cadillac CTS. Performance, 57,000, six-month warranty. Yeah, so the CTS, 
Oh, this is a tough one. Um, because oh, they've really been... denied. I think we got to six. I think we got. Yeah, not bad. I think that is that is good. Okay, that that's we'll, we'll double check and uh, producer Zena will double check exactly how many we got. But that will be our benchmark. Um, how did you feel that went? <laughs> this is like our production meeting after the show, but we'll do it live on the radio. You know, my brain has to scan because the way that I price cars is, is I'm constantly looking at the prices, but I think about cars that have sold recently, how much they sold for. Maybe it was a year younger, so I, you know, I chop off. 10, 15k. Yeah. Your brain has to work it's so fast. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, as we've got, I think we've got 30 seconds or so anyway, uh, maybe you wouldn't mind giving us a price for that one. It's the 2016 Cadillac CTS Performance 57,000 on the clock, six, six months warranty and agency serviced. Yeah, I mean, those, what, what happened is with those cars recently, there's, there's quite a few that got flooded onto the market mm-hmm. um, and, and prices were all over the place. But I mean, that's, that's the type of car you need to be very careful about when you're selling. Look at what else is out on, on the market. Bench against that. But, I mean, right now, 2015, I, I think maybe around 60K. 60K. Um, but, yeah, you need to look at, look at what else is on the market and, and be careful with those cars because there was quite a lot that came in and, and disrupted the pricing. Uh, I, I want to say the, the previous caller that didn't like Apple, can we send him a Samsung car? Is that possible? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> For one day, one day. Uh, Matthew, you know, uh, Samsung make, make cars, actually. If you ever, I've been to Korea a few times and there's Samsung cars driving around. Oh, I was, see, I was, picturing, I was picturing a phone with wheels. <laughs> Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. As ever, uh, we really appreciate your advice uh, each and every episode of Motormania. We'll catch up with you next time. Uh, Have a a great rest of your weekend. This is Motormania with Ray Addison. Powered by servicemycar.com, the UAE's first and largest vehicle servicing network. There's more coming up on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, you are listening to Motormania. It's time now to delve into an interview with a a huge name in motorsport. I think it's fair to say the mild-mannered head of Formula One and car racing at Pirelli, Mario Isola. I caught up with him while he was in town for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Now, just to give you a recap, Red Bull driver Max Verstappen won the race and led every lap from pole position, followed by Mercedes drivers Vitelli Bottas and Lewis Hamilton, who completed the podium as well. Red Bull Racing got their first victory at Yas marina in seven years so it's quite extraordinary i started by asking mario how covid had affected formula one i believe it was the strangest season of my life because with all uh, all what happened during this year it's unbelievable that we are at uh, race 17 just finished we had incredible races we had a lot of action on track uh, it was uh, really unpredictable this uh, what happened during this year we had to redesign completely everything redesign the production the logistic the development uh, moving the 18 inches to next year i mean there are so many things uh, we had to do in a short time that uh, it is uh, probably impossible to make a summary in two minutes yeah absolutely i mean could you ever have predicted that this you know the the sport could have had to face these challenges and and how do you feel like your colleagues and all the other teams as well have kind of reacted to the challenges that covid have have posed to f1 i believe we had different phases at the beginning we were in spain i remember the pre-season test 
and nobody was really believing that uh, something was going to happen. We were talking about the possible cancellation of the Chinese Grand Prix, but uh, it was just something affecting China at, the, at that time. And then we suddenly realized that the second session that was uh, already in Europe, and when we came back from, uh, uh, from Barcelona, then uh, actually we went to, to Melbourne, and everything was in lockdown, and so we had to go back. Uh, it was difficult to come back from Melbourne also because I had to change my flights many times to be able to come back home. And then uh, we, we started to have uh, virtual meetings and, uh, with, with the teams, with the FIA, with FOM, and try to understand what we can do for the season. We had to cancel all the races, we had to, try with, we, we had to implement all, all the COVID procedures. At the beginning, it was quite difficult test the people, create the bubbles, organize our fitting area with a one-way system, uh, avoid any contact amongst people, all the, uh, making people traveling across countries with different restrictions. You can imagine there are so many details that, uh, <laughs> details, they are not details, but so yeah. many stuff we have to, to manage that, uh, again, uh, making a list is difficult, but uh, then, uh, we went to Istanbul and we started to have the second wave of the virus, especially in Europe. Yeah. And, and obviously we, are, we were a bit scared. I was, my feeling was that we were going to cancel the last three races and, mm-hmm. and, and now we are here in Abu Dhabi. I mean, how would you sum, it, sum up the emotion that you're feeling at the moment? You, you're at the end of the, the season, it's, it's time for, for celebration. I believe uh, emotions are... Uh, it's a victory because actually it's a victory and I believe that everybody is really tired because uh, yeah, I, I believe we need a bit of rest because uh, 17 races in 5 months are really oh. without any break you know so obviously you, you, you um, tested positive for, for COVID yourself um, in mid-November um, and as far as I, I'm aware you were asymptomatic but, um, you know, what were the circumstances of that and, and, and what kind of impact did, did that have on, on you being able to do your job for, for Pirelli? It was a surprise. I tested positive on Sunday morning in uh, Istanbul. I got the result in the afternoon after the race. I was a bit shocked because uh, I couldn't imagine. My previous test was on Thursday and I tested negative. But mm. uh, we know that there is a period of time in which you test negative, but you actually are not. And so I was isolated in Istanbul. I was able to go back uh, to my home uh, with obviously a special flight when uh, on Thursday, four days uh, after that. Mm-hmm. I had only mild symptoms. I lost the taste and the smell. And uh, I had, uh, after 10 days, I had a couple of days with fever, but uh, I went to the hospital for checking and everything was okay. I took some medicine. Uh, in, in a couple of weeks, uh, I was... Uh, I was negative again. I was testing negative again. I was working from home actually because I had no heavy symptoms. So I yeah. could work from home. I was connected also during the only races, the only race that I missed that was the first Bahrain. I was at home. I was connected from home and I continued to work because at least I had how to spend my time at home. Basically. That's it. Yeah. But you were, you were sort of, you were feeling well enough in yourself to, to sort of carry on working remotely and, and doing what you were able to do. Um, one thing that's interesting about you, and it ha- quite a lot of people have talked about it, I hope you don't mind me bringing it up again, but obviously you're a volunteer 
ambulance driver and a, and a paramedic as well, which is um, which is amazing. Um, and I know you do that in Milan. Um, but the role that our first responders and including a lot of volunteers as well um, that they play and that they've the respect that we have for them has, has just gone through the roof as well, particularly because of of COVID. It, it's kind of um, it's one of the things that we can take that's a positive from the pandemic. Yes, uh, I, I continue to do this uh, volunteer activity when I was back from Melbourne, because mm-hmm. obviously in, in Milan, in, in all my area, in all Lombardy, the situation was quite tough at the beginning. So uh, I was at home and uh, I spent some time, some we, we usually have more night, night shifts that, than day shifts. So I spent some nights uh, doing that. Uh, then the situation improved. Obviously, we were lucky enough to have all the material to protect ourselves because uh, you know, at a certain point, there was a lack of masks, a lack of gloves, and all this kind mm. of uh, uh, protection equipment. And uh, I did it. I did it uh, several times to try to give my support to something that I am actually doing since 32 years now, because I started when I was 18 and uh, when I was at the university. It's an activity that uh, it is giving me a lot of uh, satisfaction, a lot of... Uh, how can I say? Because when, when you are a volunteer, obviously you do that for, for other people, but you do that also for yourself because you can learn a lot. You, you, you see a different world that is not uh, uh, the gold Formula One world or, or, or paddock. And yeah. uh, you see the real problem. So sometimes you understand and you appreciate how lucky you are in your life. And that's a good uh, way of learning life, I believe. So I continue to do that. And uh, probably <laughs> the reason why I got COVID is exactly because of that. Because on a, on a night on a night shift, the Sunday before Istanbul, I had some contacts with the positive people. So right, yeah, that that's why it's it's a risk, you know. It's uh, uh, it's something that uh, you accept. It's mm-hmm. like for medical doctor, for nurses, for all the people that are working in as a frontliners. Mm. And uh, at the end of the day, I was lucky <laughs> not yeah. to get to, to have symptoms. He's such an interesting guy and, and so positive as well. Such a, plays such an important part, such an intrinsic role uh, in F1 uh, moving forward. Uh, after the break, we'll hear more from Pirelli boss Mario Isola. Uh, thanks to Finn for messaging in. She says, hi, Ray. I don't have a car at the moment as I sold my late hubby's car. I just love this program. I love the BMW 2002, the Jensen Interceptor and the Rover 80. Well, Finn, thank you so much for listening. This is Motormania with Ray Addison. Powered by servicemycar.com, the UAE's first and largest vehicle servicing network. There's more coming up on Dubai I 103.8. Hey, hey, yes, if you've just joined us before the break, I was chatting to head of Formula One and car racing at Pirelli, Mario Isola, and he was explaining how he had contracted COVID-19 late last year during a very busy racing season. And did you realise that he volunteers as an ambulance worker? Uh, commendable. I also spoke to him about a recent incident on the track in Bahrain in which Formula One driver Romain Grosjean was involved in a horrific crash that left his car engulfed in flames. Grosjean has since talked about his miraculous escape from the flames 
with Sky Sports. Straight away, when, when movement stops, open my eyes, and the first thing I did, undo the seatbelt, try to remove the wheel, it was gone, so at least one less concern, and then try to jump out. I hit something on top of my helmet, I feel I hit something, so I sit back down, so I must be upside down against the barrier, so I will, uh, I will wait that they come and help me. So I sit back down and I look on the right and I look on the left and then I say, oh, it's all orange. That's, that's strange. Is it sunset? No, it's not sunset. Is the light from the circuits? No. Also the tear off starts to melt. So, oh, it's fire. This time I try to go up a bit more to the right. doesn't work. Go back down, try a bit more to the left. doesn't work. So I sit back down and I, I can't finish. I thought about Niki Lauda. It's funny, it's the, the driver that I love the most to history of Formula One. And I said, no, no, I can't finish like Niki. Can't finish like this. Cannot be my last race. It cannot be my last race. Wow, what a powerful um, interview! And to understand what was going through his mind in in that moment, and you know, he he sort of methodically worked his way through uh, the problem, and then and and obviously realised then what was happening, and just said, I don't, you know, I don't want this to be to be me. Um, I asked Mario about this. But the accident uh, that involved Romano was quite impressive. It, it is probably 20 years we don't see an accident like that. So yeah, uh, it was it was again it was a shock, uh, and uh, obviously they were not showing images at the beginning, not knowing the condition of the driver. But uh, it was a, a real shock. It it happened to me in the past that sometime we got missions for a car accident on the road, and uh, and obviously I'm quite used to see. Uh, stuff like that, um, but uh, it is always something that is uh, giving you a strong feeling. And, uh, and I was really worried when I saw the images uh, at the beginning, all the fire from from far on track. Uh, that the fire was really big, and uh, wow, everybody was shocked. Yeah, in our <laughs> everybody in the world, I believe, not just here. And, it, and it, I guess it reminds, I mean, not that safety is ever far from anyone's mind, but it, sometimes it does take something like that to just remind everybody why all those safety precautions are in place. Do you think that that accident might have an impact on um, the future of F1 in, in any particular way? Uh, it is uh, also true that uh, it is now uh, some years that the FIA has uh, created a, a group to analyze any single accident that happened during not only Formula One, but many, many championships, rally uh, circuit. That's very useful because if you try to understand more in detail what happened, uh, which is the dynamic of the accident or, or all this kind of stuff, you can uh, really create something to improve the level of safety. I believe that now, obviously, motorsport is dangerous. It's written in all our passes, but... Uh, it's, uh, it is true, but it's also true that in the last uh, years, uh, the safety made big, big steps. Uh, and uh, you remember all the discussions about the halo a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody was against the halo. Now the halo saved uh, Roman's la- life and everybody said it, it was good to have the, the halo, even if uh, the weight of the car is, uh, is more now, the cars are heavier. But because of all this safety equipment that they have uh, to, to, to bring, to, to put on the car. But if the result is that uh, the driver is uh, in good condition, is safe, uh, it doesn't matter. We, we, we shouldn't even consider the additional weight. It's something that uh, it is there and it has to be there.
Yeah. We're hoping that with the vaccine, everything's going to be returning to whatever the new normal is next year. What predictions would you make about um, the next F1 season? I believe that F1 found uh, a very good system this year. And uh, the, the evidence is that uh, we had the 17 races. We had the positive cases in the paddock, but uh, the system was able to isolate them and continue. Uh, without any problem. So I can imagine that we start again with the same system because in February, March, COVID will be probably not, not disappeared. But hopefully uh, mid-season, maybe May, June, we will have a better situation with the spectators back, with uh, the possibility to meet people, organize uh, you know, events. And uh, because Formula One is... Uh, a fantastic sport, but but it, but it is also a big show, and we need spectators, a track. We need uh, uh, what we call tifosi in Italian, the people that are giving support to drivers and, and to everybody. The first I remember the first race in Austria with nobody on the grandstands. Really, <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> there is nobody on the grandstands, yeah. and uh, and it was strange. Then you get used to it because you know that. Uh, you're going to the track and the show, the, the show must go on, but uh, without spectators, uh, it's not the same. But at least uh, we had the possibility to give to spectators at home a great show during these races. Uh, Mario, thank you so much. Uh, you deserve a, a well-earned rest. Thank you very much. That was Mario Isola just uh, chatting to me just before uh, New Year. The boss of Pirelli feeling very optimistic about this year's races. Of course, he's hoping that with the vaccines available, F1 will get back to normal as a sport and as a show and that many spectators will want to go and see it live. And of course, the season ending uh, race every year uh, right here in the UAE in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Great to chat to him. Uh, As you know, if you've been listening uh, during the rest of the programme, we've been running a poll because Hyundai has been in talks with Apple to manufacture an electric car Um, and we've been saying okay you've got the phone the airpods and the watch but would you like to hit the road in an Apple car you could vote yes I can't wait to unbox it or no they should stick to phones Uh, and the final result at the end of uh, this hour is 62% said yes can't wait to unbox it and 38% no, they should stick to phones. Uh, That poll will stay up on our page. uh, And if you want to vote and uh, sway that, you can go on to our Instagram page uh, at Dubai I. Dubai I 1038FM, excuse me, temporary memory block there, Dubai I 1038FM, and you can click on our story and you can still vote. It'll be on there for the rest of the day. Uh, Joining me on the line, uh, we mentioned her a little bit earlier, it's Finn. Good morning, Finn. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm good. We, very good, thank you. We thought we'd say hello to you because you sent us a very nice uh, text saying that you were uh, enjoying the show. How long have you been listening for? Um, well, each I know it's every other every other week. Yes. So I've been listening. I think to every one so far. I may have missed one, but I've been listening to them because I love the I love car programs anyway. And are, are you so, are you a passionate driver yourself? I don't drive. I, I do drive, but I haven't got a car here in Dubai. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I've always loved. I like a lot of the old the old cars. You know, the mm-hmm. old. Um, like the 2002 BMW, I loved that. Yeah. And Jensen, 
Not that I owned any of them. Um, <laughs> a, Rover, a Rover 80 I liked. Um, so, yes, I like the older cars more, the, more so than the, than the modern ones, did, I would say. Did you vote in our poll, Finn? No. How would you how would you vote if you wanted to cast your well, vote now? Would you would you would you go for an apple an apple car? No. Why? No, I don't care. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't care. <laughs> um I love te- I love technology. I love yeah. modern technology. I think it's fantastic. I do. Um but no, I don't I really just don't really care. So um <laughs> perfect, perfect person to ask about the poll. Finn, thank you so much yeah. for listening and uh, do join That's us okay. in, in a couple of Saturdays' time. Uh, we really appreciate you and all of our listeners. I, I'm going to be back uh, on the 23rd of January. That's in two weeks. Uh, you can text in with your car questions, whether you're buying, you're selling, you're getting your car serviced, uh, or if you're keen to have your car featured, uh, we will do our best to accommodate all requests. 4001 is the number to, to contact us on. Uh, regulars, Matthew will be back for car valuations and Damien uh, for a roundup of the car news as well. Uh, Next time we're on the air.